CBETS podcast. We are here live in Kansas City. This is our fourth podcast. Ruben and I have been doing this for four weeks now. Uh, Ruben is my good friend who is incredible in everything that he does. <laughs> and we Absolutely have everything. <laughs> everything. Just for the record. You lead the CBETS, <laughs> this whole ministry, you and Daniel Lim together. That's right. That's you right. do indeed. <laughs> and we are joined today by Mike Bickle. How are you today, Mike? Very good. Yeah. You have been here in Kansas City for a long time. 36 years, but wow. who's counting? I don't know. <laughs> and for about, what, 20, 21 of those years, you have been spearheading the House of Prayer. Yes. Uh, we just have our 20-year anniversary in May. That's amazing. Yeah, so we're on our 20th year. That's incredible. And one of those uh, things that are on your heart is prayer, but also the end times and preparing people for what's to come. So you've been running CBETS, which has been going since 2017, but long before that, you've had a passion for the end times. Just give us a little bit of reason why you have a passion for it. First of all, and I know you know this, but I'm just telling our friends, yeah. my number one passion is for Jesus and the first commandment. That people would be equipped and inspired and liberated to love him with all of their heart and to gaze on his beauty. That's why I like the end times. Yeah, yeah. Because those chapters, that Bible truth helps free our heart, remove fear, offense, all these things, so we get captured with him. Yeah, so yeah. the book of Revelation, I like to say this, is not just the plan, it's the man behind the plan, yeah, yeah. because it's called the revelation of Jesus, chapter 1, verse 1. And a lot of folks forget the man behind the plan. Yeah, yeah. That's true. We often look at the book of Revelation and think it's a revelation of all the terrible things coming. We often miss the very first verse. That's, That's right. a good reminder. The revelation. The unveiling of the man Christ Jesus and right. his deity. And it's interesting because before, you know, before I came to IHOP, which the reason I was drawn here was because there was this authentic spirituality. People were chasing after a real person that they believed they re that really listened to their prayers. And so I was drawn to the that intimacy and message. How many years? You've been here forever. How many years? Oh, uh, gosh. I got here 2007. So what's that? 12, 13? 12 years, something like oh, that. Wow. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. And so I was apprehended by that. But then I didn't know how to connect the end time thing because it's always been creepy and alarming. And, you know, there's all these like Jesus with lasers coming out of his eyes and, and like all these images about, you know, the end times were always really like creepy. I don't know how else to you put it. You were watching the wrong movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but, but you know what I'm saying? And so it was hard to really, these passages in scripture that talk about his glorious return, it was hard to digest because it was just so different than what I was experiencing because in my life. He's a, not just a king, he's a bridegroom king. Yeah. I like to say he's a king with power, but a bridegroom with desire for relationship. He's coming for a bride, not just for a group of faithful servants. He's yeah. coming for a people that love him. Yeah. Well, that's so beautiful. I, and, and you know, that's really what impacted my heart that's beautiful. when I first moved here. And I think, I, you know, but, but here's the thing. I've been working with you now for, well, 12 plus years. Yes. In different environments, but doing, you know, helping to shape and to dream up an environment where foreigner messengers can really begin to chew on these passages. This has been a two and a half year journey so far. And, but I know this has always been a passion in your life. I mean, and there's different reasons and I kind of want to poke a little bit. No, and, good. And learn about but why. I say one thing about you. 
Ruben, not everybody knows this, but everyone here in Kansas City does, and IHOP, I mean, you are an anointed worship leader. Yes, he is. <laughs> this guy That's writes true. songs, sings songs. I remember some one time he pulled his guitar up and did something like, <laughs> I was singing into my guitar. Oh, you were singing into it, because I was in the chair. I go, what is that? But it was beautiful. Yeah. yeah anyway, that your first passion is yeah. to worship that's right that is my yeah. first passion but but then of course you're you're talking to a man worshiping you know jesus exalting the ancient of days and then there's these passages you can't you can't ignore it's like okay the ancient of days but who is this one and then you realize that it's all of these passages that describe his attributes who he is there's more to the story and things that have yet to come to pass mm -hmm. Right. In the book of Revelation, I like to say this, in chapter 1 to 3, that's where Jesus speaks to the seven churches of the book of Revelation. Chapter 1 to 3, 30 different description of Jesus, 30 yeah. of them, and 22 eternal rewards. And those descriptions of him and those rewards are a part of the message, but they're often sidelined, and we actually even skip the message and get right to the events. Yeah, yeah. True. I see. And that's why I was all creeped out by the people who did that. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. It's really easy to do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. But so for me, that was kind of my, in fact, even when, when uh, you were gracious enough to invite me to, to help join you in this journey, I was a little bit of a stiff, uh, stiff potato. I don't know what else. <laughs> because I was like, I don't know, Mike, I love you. And I love the intimacy message. But this end time thing, I'm still having a hard time with. Except for you said one thing wrong. You said a little bit stiff. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were like, uh, it's the Bible, so I'm in. It's Jesus, I'm in. I just don't get the narrative yet. Yeah, that's yeah. That's, he was going, but he was all, he was honest, stiff. He was going, mm -hmm. I love him and I love the word. I just don't know the narrative. Yeah. It, tell me, help me. And I said a few things. He goes, where's that in the Bible? <laughs> and when I showed him, he went, oh, I'm in. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's one of the important things that we need to take away is that we can't take the end time message and separate it from who he is as a bridegroom. Because if you do that, then you never understand his heart. You see the events coming and you presume he's an awful God. who's yeah. just going to kill well, everyone. That's, that, that's right. And, and, you know, it's interesting because that happens all too often. We separate even the theology from the Bible. Mm -hmm. And, and I, that's where I was, actually. I was in a very eloquent postulate de development in my <laughs> no, I'm just playing with that. No, no, I think it's right. That's not really true. <laughs> no, but I was really, I was really like dancing in theology, theological postulates. And what you did in the beginning was like, okay, Ruben, that sounds great, but Jesus said this, and I can't argue with the Bible. That's where we base our theology from. And that's honestly what I feel like the church in the West has begun to abandon they've begun to abandon what the bible actually says in favor of theology that feels good mm -hmm. you know for many years we had a friday night uh, worship night that went till midnight and then we went till two in the morning those kind of things and every friday night for a number of years i can't remember how many years right now i always read the entire book of revelation and when i told people they went wow this is in the 90s they would say you read the book of revelation well what do you think this is going to happen to that i go Actually, I'm not even paying attention to the events. Because what captured me about the book of Revelation, the revelation of the man. So I was, I don't know how many years, three, four, five, six, seven, how many years did we do went Friday nights? Many years. Right. Every Friday I did that. And I didn't care at all really about the timetable and the events. I was trying to capture 
What did they see on the sea of glass when they sang the song of Moses and the Lamb? What did they see in his eyes? What do eyes of fire mean? Are, are those good? Is that good fire or bad fire? <laughs> yeah. Does that mean he has tender love or is he's mad? Yeah, you know, I yeah. wanted to find out those questions about the man. Yeah. Wow. So for those people who are seeing only the events and not his heart, how would you um, advise us to have a perspective change? to see the man before we see the Again, man. Again, it's so obvious, but it's, it has to be said. The book begins with the man with blazing mm-hmm. eyes. Chapter 1, verses 10 to 18. It is there in like, whoa, and people right. skip that part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it starts with him overwhelming John, and John falls as a dead man. And not because he's just afraid. He falls as a dead man trembling before terrifying beauty. Just... <gasps> The same reason the seraphim close their eyes when they look at the Father. It's terrifying beauty. That's how the book starts. Yeah. So stop, read every verse. Start with chapter one. (laughs) Start with chapter chapter one. Wow. I mean, that's that's a paradigm shift, though. The church does not look like, uh, you know, think about it. They just say, hey, you know what? Uh, Galatians, let's deal with your sin problem, you know? And instead of, you know, the fact that we've been given a revelation of the one we worship who sets us free from sin, we've only been focusing on how do we cope with life today. Yes, And the narrative of the book of Revelation is the most stunning narrative. I mean, it hurts. It's so stunning. I'm, I'm not just saying that. It ends with the most dramatic declaration, a bride prepared for her wedding. Like, what? It didn't say faithful servants, but they are faithful servants. The greatest miracle of human history, besides Jesus becoming a man and coming to the earth, the greatest miracle of human history is the transformation of the end-time church from a compromising spirit like Laodicea to a prepared bride. The narrative ends with a prepared bride when he comes, and then she's brought by the bridegroom king to the bridal city. Yeah. The city is called the bride, too, So because the, the wow. city acclimates to every, I mean, the city is designed to where it it uh, energizes everything in her heart for love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why the city's called the bride. Some people go, is it the is it the body of Christ, the redeemed, or the city? I go, it's both, because everything in the city awakens love in her heart. The 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 beauty, the light, the water, the food, everything that she encounters makes her go, oh, I love you. That's why the city is called the bride. Wow. Wow. That- that's oh the narrative of Revelation. I want to be like you. I, no, I, I want to be like Mike. No, I do. I just love that whenever you talk about Jesus and the reality of heaven coming to earth, it just like gushes out of you. Oh, I, I want that it. in I me. So I want wow. it. Wow. So, so okay. I, I can't wait to die, but my wife said, don't get in a hurry. Just <laughs> don't get in a hurry. I said, I'm not going to speed it up, and I can't wait. To Some see people him. go, oh my gosh, oh. what if we're martyred? I go, and what if? <laughs> we, in one second, we step across that line to indescribable glory. To stand with No them. martyr will be wow. a dissatisfied customer. I promise you, one second later, they go, oh my God. He goes, yes. It was all worth it. <sighs> Come on. Now, I've heard you emphasize this phrase, raising up foreigner messengers over the years. I mean, in different contexts. Why? Well, I the idea of, of end-time messengers being raised up with this forerunner message is so key. Because as you know, you're asking the question because you're, you really want our audience and our friends to really grab a hold of this. But you know it real well. You can answer as good as I can. But I like the question. Is that Jesus, there's a hundred and fifty chapters in the Bible of which the primary subject 
is the generation the Lord returns. Now, by the way, the generation the Lord returns is not just the generation leading up to the second coming, but it's the generation after it. Both of them are the generation he returns in. Yeah. So some think it's only the leading to it. I think of the second coming of Jesus like the eye of a storm. Like at the hurricane, he's the very center. When the hurricane's moving onto the land, a couple hundred miles ahead of time, everything's moving, and then the eye comes. Yeah. Then afterwards, everything's moving. So there's, there's all kinds of... Things happening on each end of him, of him, the second coming, which is the eye of the storm. Yeah, yeah. So when I say the 150 chapters, some of them focus some of the turbulence and the glory after his feet hit the earth, and some of them right before his feet come to the earth, those decades leading up to it. Right. So, so okay. So, so the reason for oh yeah, back to the question. The foreigner messengers <laughs> is because the Bible emphasizes a period of history. Is that, is that your, the point? Yeah, yes. That, well, there's 150 chapters in the Bible, which the primary subject is the generation of the Lord returns. Now, that's people go, okay, that's cool. But no, no, stop for a second. If you count up the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's 89 chapters. So almost 90 chapters in the four Gospels, wow. the main topic is his first coming. 150, not 90, 150, the main topic is what happens, trouble and glory, when he does come. So there's almost twice as much in those 150 chapters as in the four Gospels about Jesus' reign over the earth. Right. But, you know, I even think Matthew 24, though, is in the Gospels. Well, I'll give Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, Luke 7, and, and Luke 17. Those four are the end time, but I just threw them into the 90 chapters. <laughs> okay, just to, just to make it fair. Yeah, just to make it an even, you know, it's almost 90 chapters. But that that is remarkable. I mean, that I don't think there's a competition, right? But the point is, like, when Jesus came the first time, he was emphasizing, hey, this isn't done yet. I'm coming back, and I'm it, coming soon, he says. Yeah, he was coming to purchase the price for our redemption and to reveal what the father's heart is like and but when he comes back the second time he is going to transition the earth to the age to come wow. 150 chapters some real negative some real positive all kinds of dimensions to the storyline right. and we have to understand the biblical narrative because if we don't there's an acronym i use f-o-l-d fold Okay, what's what's the acronym? I'm testing you. Fold, yes. Fear? No, no, I'm just oh. the four letters. This is a real easy F O L D. Thank you, Georgina. Oh, you're testing me the letters. <laughs> really easy test. Okay. <laughs> F O L D. Yeah. That's right. And these four I mean this acronym, these four words describe yeah. the four negative emotional responses or just responses, but they are emotional that people, believers and unbelievers will be vulnerable to. Yeah. Four negative responses out of the lips of Jesus, actually. And uh, if we know the biblical narrative, we can have victory. If we don't know the biblical narrative of these 150 chapters, not that we have to know all the every point of every chapter, nobody does, actually. Yeah, yeah. If we know, if we don't know the biblical narrative, we by default take the secular narrative. And if we take the wow. secular narrative, it will look like the train of history is off the track. You know, like, what is happening? And Jesus said, I want you to know, F, fear. People will be overcome by fear. But that's believers, too, wow. who are, what's going on? And he's saying, no, it's all, the narrative's there. I wrote it, it's been in the book for a couple thousand years, yeah. so that my people would know it was not a last-minute deal. It was a plan established in the eternal ages, in the, in the uh, you know, in, in God's eternal plan. Fear. If people are fearful, they make terrible decisions. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
even believers. And he said in Luke 21, 26, they'll be overcome with fear. And some think that's only unbelievers. No. Many believers will be because they're going, I don't know what's going on. The next one, oh, offense. Jesus said many will be offended. Wow. And not just offended at one another, which is really serious, and that does mean that, but offended at God. Wow. God, I thought my church told me none of this was happening when we were on the earth. It's happening. The, who can trust the Bible? Maybe the Bible's not real. Who can touch, trust Bible teachers? They're lying to us. They're, they actually get offended at God. And if you get offended at God, you can't grow in love. You can't grow in the first commandment. Wow. Because your spirit is just like, wait, how much is any of this true? And many will have that response because they're being taught. They won't see any of these pressures. And when the pressures come, they will assume they've been lied to by Bible teachers for decades wow. or the Bible's not true. Yeah. And offense is a, a, a big one, the F-O-L. Now, L's the one word I just kind of jammed in there yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to make the acronym work. <laughs> but it is accurate, though. It's lust. And in Luke 21, verse 35 and 36, he said, beware, he's talking to believers, lest you be overcome with immorality and drunkenness. And he gave other things. Yeah. Now, why would people be overcome with immorality and drunkenness? It's not just because they love pleasure. People will do that in the end times because they love pleasure. But I call it, they'll be self-medicating. Wow. The, the pain and the anxiety, the turmoil will be so great, they'll drink more, just say, I got to get out of this. They're going to indulge in you know, the All kinds of many things. types of yeah. immorality, the, all the internet stuff, and, and much more, so they can escape. It's to escape and to self-medicate. Wow. And Jesus was talking about that, the escape, I think, even more than just the pleasure itself. And then the next one, F-O-L-D. The, la the last one is, this is bad, deception. He said, many false prophets will deceive many. Like, there's two many's in that verse in Matthew 24. Many false prophets will deceive many. And what I tell people is the false prophets are not guys with horns on, you know, like, ha, the wicked witch of the East. Here I am, you know, little pretty. You know, it's not like that. That's not what's happening. Awesome. However they said that. It's been a few years since I heard it. But... Uh, that's awesome. But the, these false prophets are fa false. Are they're people? Get, social commentators giving the social narrative that's false. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a false social narrative. But they will be cool looking, charismatic, really popular, super techie. T you know, with all the uh, technology, they have a massive followings yeah. on the internet and beyond, and large pulpits. And they'll be social commentators, whether preachers or not, giving the in, their interpretation of the narrative. But it will be against God's interpretation of the narrative. Wow. But a lot will be applauding, so they won't be going, "Oh, isn't this horrible?" They'll be there's a false uh, justice movement, a false love movement, a false unity movement, a false grace movement. All of these are in the book; they're in the Bible. Wow. And a lot of folks will be promoting it, and a lot of them will do it from pulpits. They will do it from just, you know, webs, whatever, stuff like this, you know, but just yeah, stuff yeah. in the internet, you know, way beyond even what we're doing right now. Sure. No, I mean the nations, because this yeah. stuff is going to get really sophisticated, yeah. the web stuff, you know, the technology. And Jesus said, if you buy into the wrong narrative, then you'll be embracing and promoting the false justice movement when you need to be exposing it and renouncing it. Yeah. Yeah. And it will suck you in, these false movements will. Yeah. So what you're saying, oh. I mean, no, F-O-L-D. Now yes. I'm going to, now I'm quizzing you. What does F stand for? Fear. O. Offense. L. Lust. 
D. Deception. F-O-L-D. And the reason I say that over and over, kind of tongue-in-cheek, so people go, oh, I can get that. Because yeah, yeah. when I do that, people so go, I can follow those four things. But well, if yeah. you don't have that acronym, you go, now, wait, it's the fear. What's that other one? Mm-hmm. No, that's so helpful. Well, but but I've heard you say the fold. So you, The so Lord that, calls us to stand, stand and not fold. There you go. That. <laughs> or that's it's good. really don't fall, but don't fold under the pressure. Yeah, yeah. No. It's so helpful. It's interesting how each one of those builds to bring the second one. So if you're in fear, then you'll easily get offended. There, and then I, if you're offended, you're just like, I need anything. And then escape. it's like, yeah. And then you just get deceived because you're I'm, not thinking straight. I'm not j- joking and just being all nice because you're so cool. I've never thought of that. <laughs> I've never done that progression. Oh, wow. Interesting. It's going to show up in one of my next teachings. <laughs> yeah, you can just copyright me. It's great. That's no, great. I have that's never great. done that progression. Yeah. That's just awesome. purely accidental as far as I know. No, that's amazing. But So what you're saying, just to bring that together, is if you don't put time, energy, and effort into studying the end times, then you can easily give into that the progression. biblical narrative the of biblical the end times. I think I, I mean that's what yeah. you mean, but I like to say that that no, biblical narrative yeah. of the 150 mm-hmm. chapters, and you don't have to know all the details and all the chapters, yeah. the broad strokes of the 150. But we're believing God here at CBETS to raise up 10,000 mm-hmm. worldwide. I mean, we need a million. Yeah. But our little portion is 10,000. That's just the word the Lord gave me back way back in 1997. 10,000. I mean, if there's a million end time messengers. That's only one tenth of one percent of the harvest. Oh my gosh! One, it's one dot zero one percent. of a billion of the great harvest. That's not even counting the billion that's on the church believers right now on the earth. So we just even a little portion of ten thousand. I want those ten thousand to know much more than the broad strokes. We want to go deep so that when the Bible teachers rise up and go, ah, nobody knows what the, because what I hear all the time is, that stuff's not literal and mm-hmm. nobody understands it anyway and everybody's always said it's coming anytime and all that's bullying. Those are the basic rhetoric statements where people, the average believer gets overwhelmed and intimidated and they right. shut down. They go, oh, okay. my PhD pastor, he mm-hmm. said nobody can understand it. Everybody argues it and it's too hard. You got to have a PhD and we don't even know. <laughs> I yeah. can stop yeah. all that. Yeah, It yeah. means what it says and says what it means. Yeah, yeah. And no, those pastors, Passages are, are 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 to be interpreted face value, unless the passage itself indicates it's symbolic, which there's many of those. Right. But if it's not indicated in the passage, it means what it says and says what it means. Well, that's a that's a historical, grammatical approach to your hermeneutic, which is just yeah. another a big word for how to study the Bible. But that's what that hermeneutic yeah, says the historical you do. grammatical means you take it for its plain meaning it's that's plain right. sense meaning that's what historical gr- grammatical yeah that's right means. what the author intended and what the text says that's what it means not like this hidden knowledge that's like that's a form of gnosticism really to say like well there's there's hidden knowledge here that you can symbolize and find truth in, you know well if you get rid of the details then all of these 150 chapters mostly mean i've read many commentators well the church is going to be victorious and jesus is lord of the church and he's sovereign i go okay there's a little bit more to the story than that yeah there's 150 chapters but if if it's all symbolic or mostly symbolic all of these details they all point to the same five or six points yeah, yeah. and so they go well we don't have to study that we already know he's sovereign and we're gonna mm-hmm. win and hey we got it you know we're good i go no we're not good yeah, we're not yeah. prepared at all and doesn't alan say yeah it will, it will all pan out it's like yes it will pan out but will it pan out for you Ooh. Like, Ooh. that's the pan millennialism <laughs> yeah i love how alan <laughs> says that they, they go pan millennials it will all pan out in the end it will but will it pan out good for you that's yeah. a great statement no, 
it is. Wow. No, this is staggering. I mean, to to know that 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 you know. Well, and and when I hear you say end time messengers, I think I think I'm I'm understanding what you mean. You mean gospel messengers who have the full narrative of the story yes. of the gospel, right? Yes. Because because the gospel began with forgiveness. Praise the Lord. Yeah, the forgiveness is the entryway into the gospel of the kingdom. The phrase is the, the that Jesus used. I mean, he used several phrases. Yeah. But in Matthew 24, 14, he said, when the gospel of the kingdom is preached in every nation, then the end will come. And a lot of folks, and I, I get it, I get it. So I'm not looking at him saying, bah humbug. They think the gospel of the kingdom is the message of forgiveness. That's the introductory to Mm -hmm. the kingdom. The message of the kingdom is a king is coming back, being confronted by the kings of the earth, but prevailing and establishing his rule in every sphere of society of the earth forever and forever. That's the king coming message, the kingdom. Yeah. That's good. I love it how when he comes back, there's going to be every aspect of his character on show. Not oh, just one and not like just another. Like what? I, I, like I love justice. that. justice. So for that girl who's had a terrible life, he's coming back to save her and showing his justice to her oppressors. I love he's it. coming as a bridegroom for those who have faithfully waited for him. So there's just two. I'm yeah. sure there's more. And yeah, and there's so many like that. I yeah. totally yeah. agree. Yeah. yeah. So if we branch off of that and talk about the Jesus in red, Uh-oh. am I right in thinking that you've had some sort of experience with the Lord that really emphasized that message in your heart? Would by, you... by Jesus in red, mm-hmm. I mean, because I'm thinking that Jesus in white is the uh, blue-eyed, blonde-haired, <laughs> Caucasian <laughs> Jesus. With Scandinavian the... Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Scandinavian Jesus with clean robes. You know, mm-hmm. that it's Jesus loves me this, I know. You're, you're referring Jesus in red. Can you explain yeah. the, yeah. the what term? What is the Jesus in red and what? And that's a term we use. That's not technically a Bible term. Mm -hmm. It's a Bible description, but not a Bible term. We use it here at IHOP because of of a prophetic encounter that I had. And I was reading Isaiah chapter 63, verses 1 to 6. It's a very odd passage. Very odd. Isaiah sees this man traveling in great power. And he's coming. He's on his way to, to Jerusalem in context. Because you got to read Isaiah 63 in context of Isaiah 61, 62. Oh, yeah, the deliverer, yeah. Yeah, he's coming to Jerusalem, which is the verses before in Isaiah 62. That's yeah. where he's coming. Mm-hmm. And Isaiah is overwhelmed by this man. He goes, who are you? He goes, and why are you traveling in so much power and strength? And he goes, and your garments are glorious. They're, well, we understand his garments are supernatural. They're heavenly. And he's overwhelmed, Isaiah is. And he goes, but I'm perplexed. Not by your power and your awesome heavenly supernatural garments. There's blood on your garments. Why? Yeah. Why would there be blood on your garments? And then Jesus answered, He goes, I am the Lord who I'm coming, I'm speaking righteousness. I am mighty to save. I'm coming for deliverance of my people. And you're thinking, okay, but why are your why are your beautiful garments it says stained? Not uh interwoven fabric you know uh, a collage of colors it's stained that's, right. that's like Ugh, stained yeah. that's a bad word isn't it <laughs> i mean when i stain my shirt which yeah, i do yeah. often i hear that's not good <laughs> sweetie i gotta wash it again yes wow <laughs> it's stained and, and isaiah's perplexed and then jesus answered he goes it is the bl- in essence i'm giving the super short version it's yeah. the blood of my enemies splattered on my garment you go what that's right. He says, I trod them in my anger. Verse four, three and four. Verse three and four, yeah. And trampled them in my wrath. Their lifeblood 
spattered on my garments <laughs> oh my and stained all my apparel. Quite what dramatic. do you do with that? Yeah, well, because that appears in Revelation 19, verse 15 as well. John saw the Isaiah 63 Jesus, and of course, a bunch of commentators say it's the blood of the cross. But when you go from Revelation 19, the context is he's killing the armies of the Antichrist. He's not coming, showing off that he gave, paid the price of redemption. He's removing wow. the evil leaders from the earth. As he's transitioning this into the perfect reign of Jesus on earth as king. Right. So in Isaiah 63, he's revealing this initially. And then Revelation 19, John comments on it in the context of, of the Armageddon campaign and the Armageddon conflict. So John's thinking, what? And, and Jesus says, or the Messiah, the unnamed one, which we now know is Jesus, but I don't know that Isaiah knew it. He knew he's powerful with beautiful garments with stain on him. He goes, you know, uh, what's going on? And then the Messiah says, I'm, these are the blood staining my garments. Then he says, nobody would stand with me. Nobody would stand with me. And what he meant was not, there was not a human being who loved him faithful on the earth. No. What he meant, in my opinion, is that there was no other king and their armies that would partner with him to drive the Antichrist off the planet. He goes, wow. I did it alone. Yeah, it Nobody alone, yeah. stood with me. And so I'm reading this passage one day. It's 1997, September. Not that that date matters, but I remember it so vividly. September 13, September 17, 1997. I was reading it, and I felt the fire of the Holy Spirit coming up and down my body, which is extremely rare in my 40 years of walking with the Lord. And and uh, oh, actually. The more my spiritual birthday was two or three days ago. It's forty-eight years. Forty. Yeah, it surprised me. I counted up. I go, what? Not forty-eight? Because I always say forty. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> that eight years. You're two years away from fifty. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was just figuring that out because I always say forty years. <laughs> and I said, someone said, how? It was my spiritual birthday, and they go, how many years? I go, I don't know, seventy-one, whatever that is. About forty years. 40 they go, years no, ago. it's about fifty. Oh my gosh, you got to well, round up now. Yeah, anyway, back, and I'm happy to. I'd love to, but I'm back to the deal. It just surprised me the other about. Wow. Week ago, yeah. and so I was telling the Lord, I was reading this, and the Spirit of the Lord was like fire going up and down me. I mean, head to toe, uncomfortable fire for like an hour, maybe an hour and a half. I mean, some long period. I didn't time it, but it was a long period. I was so mystified, but there was a like a cool breeze breaking in on the fire. And I looked at all the air-conditioned vents because I was in the prayer room. This is two years before IHOP started our church prayer room. Yeah. There were about fifty or eighty people in the room, some number like that. I don't know. And I was looking around. I was in a corner. I said, is the air vents hitting me? Because it was September. Is the air conditioning on? And there was no air vents. I'm looking around. I go, where is this cool breeze and this burning fire? Yeah. And I'm, re and I'm mystified by that, but I'm so locked into this. No one will stand with me. I did this alone. Meaning no other king and their army and their government. That's what it means, I believe. Wow. And I said, Lord, kind of out of context as an individual because he wasn't talking about individual believers who love him. I just said, I'll stand with you. I'll stand with you. And I said, I won't back down from this stigma message because this is the most politically incorrect message in human history. Yeah. I don't mean today in human history. The book of Revelation is the most politically incorrect document on the planet Earth. I'm, I don't know of any other one. It bothers the church, if you yeah. take it face value, and it bothers the world. Yeah. And that's why the church doesn't touch it. I mean, we pull a verse out here and there. Yeah. And But it, I just said, I will stand with you. And because I've studied Song of Solomon over the years in Revelation, Song of Solomon 5, verse 10, which is one of my favorite passages, is Re Song of Solomon chapter 5, verse 10 to 16. 
there's 10 descriptions of the beauty of Jesus. And he starts off, my beloved is dazzling, ruddy, he's white, he's radiant. And I said, Jesus, I know you, the Jesus of white, the radiant beauty of the one who comes in peace and goodwill to all men on earth. I know that Jesus. I know the Christmas Jesus. I don't know the Armageddon Jesus. And he was whispering in my heart, I'm the same Jesus. Oh, my God. I am coming in radiant glory, the Jesus in white, the Christmas Jesus, to bring peace and goodwill to all the nations. But I'm coming as the Armageddon Jesus to remove everything that hinders love first. I'm going to confront it and drive it off the planet. And I go, I don't even know what you're talking about. I said, I don't. I know the Jesus in white. I don't know the Jesus in red. That's how it started. Yeah. This guy comes over, taps me on the shoulder. I am so engulfed in this. I'm in this for three hours. The burning maybe was an hour and a half for, I don't know, an hour, long time in the wind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm weeping, and I'm over in the corner in our prayer room. And, you know, you don't want to tap someone on the shoulder in a prayer room and there are tears in their eyes and you're yeah, totally yeah. gripped. And this guy taps me on the shoulder. Excuse me? I don't know this guy at all. <laughs> I go, hi, bro. Uh, what's up? <laughs> like, really right now we want to talk (laughs) show me your family photos or something (laughs) right now (laughs) no i didn't do any of that to be honest he tapped on the shoulder i looked up like a hello and he told me his name and he says you don't really know me but i i see an angel standing over you and i said what do you mean i go i've never besides bob jones i've never heard anybody say that to me i went an angel standing over me he goes it's bizarre it's like uh he's pouring fire fire's going up and down your body and i went i i didn't go wow i didn't say anything I didn't say a word. I never even said one word to him until like months later or maybe a year, maybe years later. I don't even know if I told him for years later. (laughs) I didn't know him. And he said, and I see the Lord, this angel's wings are, are waving, like flapping gently. And there's waves of his wind coming over you. I go, wow. And I'm thinking, this is exactly what's happening. Yeah. I don't say, look at him. I go, wow, bro. Awesome. Because if you, if you get carried away when someone gives you a word like that, it's kind of like. They go, and the Lord would further say that, yeah. you, you know, you, you <laughs> yeah. get them going to another level. I don't want a little hamburger helper on this. You yeah, know? Yeah. This is so <laughs> important helper. to me. But I, I've seen it. You encourage them. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Then they would keep adding to yeah. it. I didn't want anything added to this. And I looked yeah. at him. I go, okay. He said, I know that my Bible's closed because I looked down. He goes, and I'm in a corner. So nobody saw what I was reading at all. And he goes, uh, the Lord showed me that he's going to visit you as the Jesus in red. He Come said on. that phrase. And I just said that phrase, you know, some 5, 10, 20 minutes before, whatever. I was saying it over and over. And I said, okay. And he says, you know the Jesus in white. I went, unbelievable. Straight out of what I said to the Lord. Wow. He didn't say Song of Solomon, but that's what I meant. You know, the Song of Solomon 510, the radiant one who's dazzling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, the Lord wants you to proclaim also the Jesus in red. He goes from Isaiah 63. He wants you to study it. Wow. My Bible was closed. I looked down because if he came up and my Bible's open, I go, eh, well, yeah. maybe. Doesn't mean it's false, but I'm not quite as convinced. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, thank you. And he said, I've never seen, uh, 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 well, no, he didn't say never. He says, this is so rare. Fire's going up down you. Wind is blowing on you. And the Jesus of red, and he's asking you, will you stand with him? Wow. And I just said, yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. And again, I don't know that I even met him for a year or two. I don't remember ever talking to him. Mm -hmm. And so I sit there, and he left, and I just wept. And I said, Jesus, 
I don't really get this Jesus in red thing. This chapter is so strange, but I'm not backing down. I love the Jesus in white. <laughs> I'm sticking with this, but I'm adding to it, and I'm not going to pick between them because you just whispered in my heart there's no distinction between the Jesus of Christmas, who the Christmas message who brings goodwill to all men, and the Jesus of Armageddon that removes everything that hinders love with his fire. Wow. That's incredible. So that's what we call the Jesus in red, which is part, not the only part of the end time narrative, because the Jesus in white is all through the end time narrative. Yeah. I mean, it's the bridegroom king. He is all over the end time narrative, but we want to skip the Jesus in red. He's kind of like I've said over the years. It's like the visitor, the neighbor knock comes, knocks on the door, and you're, you know, your drunken uncle is in the house stumbling, knocking. You say, hey, uncle, would you go in the back room? Just We'll put you out in an hour. I don't want the neighbors to see you. We like to lock Jesus in the back room somewhere because yeah. when the neighbors come, he embarrasses us. Well, even in songs, you know, like as a, as a singer in the church, like we have all these psalms that were written, like, but then we skip all those parts that talk about the Jesus, the or the, the God who judges, the God who... Well, the high praises of God in our mouth and the sword in our hand, and we're dancing and skipping. And yeah. it says, I mean, people scream and hop and jam, dance and high-five and yeah. swirl, twirl. And it says, to execute vengeance on the kings of the earth. I go, excuse me? Maybe that's the wrong tune for that song. That's amazing. I yeah. love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us some of your story and even the acronym FOLD, fear, offense... Lust. Lust and deception. We don't want to fold. We want to stand. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that with us. And we're going to stand with the Jesus in white and the Jesus yeah. of red and whatever other he wants to show about his Amen. glory. You know, so sometimes, sometimes this topic can feel daunting and it can feel like it's way too hard to get your mind around just because it's not, it's under taught, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I really appreciate because you've done a couple of things to really help people to get a beginning grapple on this. And one of those things is you have these on, on YouTube, on our CBETS KC YouTube, you've done two minute summaries of each of these 150 chapters, which we've been releasing every week. So you can just go to our YouTube and check that out. Wait, it's what now? It's, it's we call it the Adventum Project. And okay. you do you've recorded two minute summaries teaching on each of the end time chapters. Georgina, do you know why I do two minutes of every chapter? Because after I me. teach it an hour, Ruben, that guy over there, uh -huh. <laughs> he pulls me into a side into the studio after the meeting, and he goes, "Give me the two minutes." I go, "Ruben, he did my an hour mind and a half." <laughs> is going a hundred miles an hour right now. He goes, I'll "Settle down <laughs> and do it." But now that we've done it sixty times. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you, Ruben. It. No, but it's it's, it's really helping us to get the big Cliff's notes, the quick notes of what does this chapter say primarily. But not only that, you've actually done four 45 to an hour long introductory uh, sessions to get people just to begin to understand. Introduction to the end times is four 45 minute teachings. Yeah. That's right. We, we call it end times for beginners. Oh, that's what I forgot. That's the name. <laughs> yeah. So for those of you who are like, say, you know what? I'm ready to just dive into this a little bit more. And you want kind of need a beginner's guide to it we're gonna just put it on our description or comments or whatever for you to be able to click get it for free what's it called jump again? Right in. it's called end times for beginners four 45 minute sessions with notes and small group discussion format well yeah the notes though is this big booklet very easy to follow that you made thank you <laughs> <laughs> but I, my point is it's it's so helpful it's so useful and we want to again remember that our mission here at the center for biblical end time studies is to empower you to understand, to live, and to share this great and glorious message about Christ's return. Well, I gotta say one quick thing. 
<laughs> but we here in Kansas City cannot understand it apart from learning and fellowshipping with many other groups because the whole message will only be understood by the global body of Christ. We all have to go to each other and learn what the Lord has shown them to get the whole picture. Yeah. That's good. Wow. It's for everybody. If you are a single mom with a couple of kids or if you are a CEO of a massive company, this message is for you to have in your hearts and to share with other people. So thank you, Mike. Thank you. Join us next week, 2 p.m. Central Time for another live podcast. That's right. We'll be talking about cultivating the foreigner message, what it feels and looks like to really cultivate um, this, this message that God gave us to share. I love it. See Bets Casey. Type that into YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, your outlet, and you'll find us. Yeah, that's right. We'll see you next week. Peace.